Today is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. Today we celebrate Christ as our King. And as you know, one of the functions of a king or of a president is pardon. They have the power to pardon a person who has done wrong. This is what we see happen in today's gospel reading from Luke 23. When a criminal turns to Jesus and asks, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus Christ, the king, replies, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, heaven, is Christ's kingdom. Now, what does that mean for us today? As people who profess to follow Christ as our king. Let me give that answer through a story. In his marvelous series of Christian fiction books called the Chronicles of Narnia, which I read soon after my conversion back to the Catholic faith when I was a young person, C.S. Lewis tells the stories of the imaginary land of Narnia and the king who rules it, a king whose name is Aslan. Aslan is a lion, the great lion at whose roar the very trees of the forest tremble in awe. In the first book of the series, four human children are playing in an old wardrobe when they suddenly discover that it is a doorway to Narnia. Narnia, at this junction of its history, is under the spell of a wicked witch whose rule is evil and oppressive. The youngest child, Lucy, gives the best description of Narnia under the, the witch's rule. It was always winter, but never Christmas. The children enter into a plot to overthrow the power of the witch, since they hear from some of the inhabitants a rumor that Aslan, the rightful king, is returning. One of the children, however, the younger boy Edmund, who is a spoiled brat, and when he discovers that he can't have everything his way, he betrays the other animals and his own brothers and sisters to the witch, and they fall into her clutches. In the climactic scene, the witch comes to Aslan and tells him that according to the deep magic from the dawn of time, she is entitled to have the blood of anyone who is a traitor. So she demands, she demands to be allowed to sacrifice Edmund on the stone table. The stone table was a large ritual stone that has always been in Narnia. Aslan acknowledges the justice of her claim, but then offers to become the victim of the sacrifice himself in place of Edmund. The witch, of course, is delighted at this offer. For she only, so now she not only gets the blood that she demands, but she gets rid of her ancient enemy and arch rival Aslan at the same time. 
before the horrified eyes of the children, Aslan allows himself to be bound, humiliated, and slaughtered on the stone table to the triumphant howls of the witch. The two girls, Susan and Lucy, stay up all night by the body, grieving their loss. For now it is obvious that the wicked witch has won and her rule over Narnia will be secure. But at sunrise, when they walk away a short distance to stretch their legs, they suddenly hear a gigantic crack. And when they look around, the stone table is split from end to end. And the body of Aslan is gone. Suddenly, they hear his voice. And there in the morning sunlight, he stands alive and more majestic than ever. When they express their delight and their surprise, Aslan tells them that the witch knew the deep magic from the dawn of time. But there was a deeper magic which she did not know. Her knowledge only went back to the dawn of time, he says. But if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness and darkness of eternity before time, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's place, the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. I tell this story because C.S. Lewis, a Christian nonfiction and fiction writer, was brilliant in being able to take the truth that we gain from the gospel and communicate it on a level that children can understand. And isn't this then exactly what is happening in today's gospel reading? As we celebrate Christ as our great king. To acknowledge Christ as our king means that we stand with him. No matter the circumstance of our lives. We are, in the terms of the gospel, the penitent thief. You and I. Next to Jesus upon the cross. Jesus, as our king, with his dying breath, grants us his royal pardon. We need only acknowledge, as thieves, as betrayers, as traitors, that we have a need of our king. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, so that we might hear him say, today you will be with me in paradise. We have, if we're honest, betrayed our king, each one of us, including myself. We are all traitors to God's kingdom through our sins. And justice must be satisfied. We deserve death, and not only a temporal, physical death, but eternal death. And the only way to grant us pardon for our sins and 
for us to escape the sentence of death for our betrayal is for one who is without treachery to offer himself as a willing victim and sacrifice himself in place of the traitor. Jesus is at once a willing victim and sacrifice himself. And in the place of the traitor, he is not just the willing victim, but he's also the king, the only one who is capable of pardoning the people in his kingdom. And so he says to us, you will be with me today in paradise. This is what Luke is getting at when he tells us of a man who is in his dying agony, can find it within himself to royally pronounce forgiveness and reconciliation to penitent criminals. To you and I, who are the criminals who put him on the cross in the first place. His cross, then, was in reality the symbol of kingly power that had at its origins far back, the deeper magic from the dawn of time, this power. It was the power that started death working backward. So Jesus became, in the words of St. Paul, the firstborn among the dead. The first in a long series of men and women over whom death can no longer hold ultimate power to destroy those who confess this dying man on the cross as king are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Those who confess him as king are people for whom the crown of thorns and the nails and the cross of shame are emblems of a royal power, the likes of which the world has never seen before or sense, and which is greater than the mightiest armies, the richest corporations, the most destructive thermonuclear warheads, or the most thorough political revolutions. Jesus Christ, our King, His royal power is the power of suffering love, of sacrifice, of faith in the power of God to raise the dead. And that power is the supreme power in heaven, on earth, and throughout the entire universe. This is what it means, then, for us to profess Jesus Christ as our King. Profess it loud and often Live it boldly and courageously. Be devoted and faithful to your king with great gratitude and love. No matter the circumstances in your life and no matter the circumstances in our faith and no matter the circumstances in our world. Then you will hear him say to you as you call out to him as a criminal, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, I who have betrayed you, 
And you will hear him say, today you will be with me in paradise. And you will ever ex forever experience the deep magic, the deep reality of the royal pardon of our crucified and resurrected king of the universe. And you will know his power. 